Well, can you uh, even imagine that uh, Advent and Christmas is upon us? Wow. It uh, seems as though uh, time passes all too quickly, but it has brought us to this uh, beautiful, warm, and uh, very significant season for the life of the church, and certainly for each of us as individuals. The season comes around all too quickly, sometimes very, very quickly. It is hard to believe that the season is upon us. We live into it, and we trust that God's Spirit will move in our midst and bless us as we make our way through these very holy, holy days. Advent is the grand season that anticipates the coming of our Lord, and it begins today. During Advent, we aspire to the highest of virtues. We are more generous. We consider the needs of, of others. We try to be more loving with the emphasis we try to be. We place our focus on family, and our lives are directed toward God. The themes of peace, hope, love, and joy are the themes that form this season, and they inspire us to no end. As we know, the, the, this season of the year is, is not without its challenges. The, the busyness alone has a, a way of exhausting us. The commercialization can be more than dizzying, yet we persevere, longing to be struck yet again by the profound truth that God, in His love, sent Jesus into the life of the world. A lot would be placed on the shoulders of Jesus, notwithstanding the cross. Jesus, though, was up to it, all in the love and power of God. Jesus proclaimed a, a message that wasn't always easily understood or easily received. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So we, we turn our attention today to the peace Jesus came to bring. He was, after all, the Prince of Peace. We read about that in the wonderful prophecy delivered by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah saw all too well his own beyond his, his own circumstance to see what God's intentions were all along. We read today Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. This passage puts our sights on God's long-term plan of sending His Son into the life of the world. God had that plan all along. Let's hear this then from God's Word. Again, <clears throat> Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear this from God's Word. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawn. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the, the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that, that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood 
will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be glorified. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is God's Word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear it read, but as we uh, seek now to take our lives and apply them to it. May God bless us all. Regrettably, the war in the Ukraine rages on, and we wonder if it will ever end. It is said that to wage a war, you need two things. You need the will and the means to do so. It seems that, that both are waning for Russia. We can only pray that peace will prevail. Just this past week, two, two bombs were, were detonated in Jerusalem, bringing with them at least one casualty and a number of injuries. We are left to wonder if peace will ever prevail in that part of the world. The prophet Isaiah writes in, in Isaiah 9, 2, that those walking in darkness will see a great light, and those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Sometimes I, I think that we really don't realize just how dark things have become. It really is hard to, to face such things, to, to face the, the darkness. We've, we've been that way um, uh, since we were young, youngsters, and, and certainly now in a much broader and profound way, it is tough to face the darkness of this world. Thank God He has provided the light. Visitors to, to Mammoth Cave know that, a, that in a certain point of every tour that takes place at that, uh, at, at that cave, the, the guide will turn off the lights and allow the darkness, the deep, deep darkness, to settle in. The story is told of a small child on, on one of those tours crying out with fear when the lights were, in fact, turned off. His, his older brother was quick to in, encourage him, don't be afraid, there's a man that knows how to turn the lights back on. For those with faith, we, we know that God offers that light in Jesus Christ, our Savior. God offers light in the mix of the, of the darkness and sends His Son to provide it. Today's passage from uh, Isaiah 9 was intended to bring hope to a people who had been weighed down for far too long with the prospect of war. You see, the Assyrians had been uh, battering the southern kingdom of Jerusalem, of, Ju of Judah, rather, and, and in particular the city of Jerusalem, for what seemed like an eternity that was about to turn. God was going to uh, 
break the yoke of the Assyrians that had beleaguered the people for years. Implements of war would be, uh, would be turned into instruments of peace. The old song, we ain't going to study war no more, would have absolutely fit in to this circumstance as Isaiah offers this, this hope and promise that God was about to act. Peace would prevail, and of all things would rest on the birth of a child whose shoulders upon whom would fall the very government that they, uh, they aspired to. And that child would go by, by many names, wonderful counselor. His wisdom would be without equal. Mighty God, his would be divine power. Everlasting Father, he would, would provide and protect at every turn. And of course, that great name, the Prince of Peace. He would bring wholeness and well-being not only to individuals, but to the world as well. Let's, let's admit it. All of us put a premium on peace. We, we long for it individually and, and, and corporately. We, we long for peace to prevail in our hearts. We, we long for, uh, for, for peace to, to be at place and in, in society and throughout the world. We long for peace. Dwight David Eisenhower, the great uh, general of uh, World War II and, and later who became president, was quoted as saying, during his presidency, I think people want peace so much that one of these days, government had better get out of the way and let them have it. You know, that would be nice, wouldn't it, to have that sort of peace to prevail. In, in thinking about it, though, we, at least in this country, are a reflection of the government that we have put into place. We, we desire peace, but yet fail to display it, and that is indeed reflected in the discourse of, of government from day to day. We long for peace individually, but we know that peace escapes us. The Hebrew word for peace is, is shalom. We, we know that word in, 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 in many ways. We know that shalom is offered uh, as, a, as a greeting. And in that greeting, there is a, a notion of, uh, of asking for peace, wanting peace, hoping for peace. Shalom points to an, an inward wholeness. It points to a completeness that, that makes for peace, the sort of wholeness that resides deep within. In a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy strikes out on a, on a tangent saying, I hate the, the, the whole wide world. And Charlie Brown immediately intervenes and he says, Lucy, I thought you had inner peace. To which Lucy retorts, I do have inner peace, but I still have an outer obnoxiousness. Isn't that the case with most of us? That pretty well sums it up when it comes to to, to peace these days, that sort of inner peace that we long for. We want peace, we long for peace, yet peace, true peace, is not ours. We do well to remember that the shalom that so often eludes us is the very thing that Jesus came to offer. 
At his birth, the angels proclaimed glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those upon whom his favor rests. Later, Jesus himself would say, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, and do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus calls not only calls us not only to to have peace, but to but to work for peace. He stands to help us in that. From the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Paul puts it well in, in Romans 12, 18, so far as it is possible and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. A lot depends upon the disposition of our hearts when it comes to such things, when it comes to peace being within us, when it comes to peace uh, exuding uh, through us. We are called to live at peace with those around us. That's a challenge indeed for every person, save for the Prince of Peace that is always at work to mold and shape our lives to bring about that peace, not only inwardly, but outwardly as well. So the question comes to each of us as we begin this holy season. Are you allowing Christ to take over the government of your life? Are you allowing Christ the Prince of Peace, to take over the the ebb and flow, the currents of your life, only as you allow Christ to take hold. Will you know and experience the benefits of Emmanuel, God with us? And Christ, peace is always possible. It's it's always uh, that that great potential that, that lies for each of our lives and we can make for peace. That, too, is, is possible as well. One of my favorite books that I turn to this season of the year is that book entitled Silent Night by Stanley Weintraub. It's a story of, a, of an impromptu truce that took place during World War I one Christmas Eve. The Germans started by, by lighting candles on, on small Christmas trees, and the British, French, and and Belgian forces chimed in with Christmas carols. Both sides broke bread. They even exchanged letters. And surprisingly, they even played a game of soccer. (coughs) Such are the possibilities when we let the good news about the Prince of Peace take hold. We mentioned later that for the Jews century ago, the hope was that peace would prevail, and that the yoke of their oppressors would be broken. We know that that was once and for all accomplished as Jesus, the the Prince of Peace, took on the yoke of the cross, not only making peace possible between ourselves and God, but between ourselves and one another. That's why during this meal that we're about to partake, 
we offer our confessions to Almighty God seeking His forgiveness. And in that forgiveness, if you will, the, the yoke and the oppression of the, of the guilt of our sin that weighs us down is broken, and we are able to live in the freedom that is ours in, in Jesus Christ. That's why um, upon the conclusion of our prayers of confession and experiencing the forgiveness that is ours in Jesus, that we pass the peace each to the other longing to be reconciled to one another. In this meal, we recognize the Prince of Peace and the fact that of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. What Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us, for every individual on the face of the earth, what Jesus did on the cross was stamped as true. On just the third day, he rose from the dead, paving the way for peace to prevail. Let it come. Let it come. For each and every one of us, let it come. May peace prevail throughout our, our, our world. Let it come. Let it come. And may we know full well that all of that takes place on account of the Prince of Peace being a part of our lives. May God be with us all.